Okay, let's do this. <laughs> okay. So, why don't you introduce yourself and tell the listeners a little bit about yourself? Yeah. So, Marcus De Silva. Yeah. Born and raised in Burnaby here, uh, Burnaby, British Columbia, Canada, and um, yeah, I don't know. Depends where you want to go with it. How how far back should I start? for you <laughs> for this for this daily hive article our companion podcast yeah, well, why don't we uh let's go back a few years you know why don't you tell tell us what you've been up to recently with with school and a little bit before you a little bit before you embarked on this challenge this journey yeah so uh i went to Burnaby north secondary school and did that uh did that whole Burnaby north hockey academy and yeah. Uh, took a bunch of AP courses because I was allegedly a good student and stuff like <laughs> <Yeah>. that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, and high school was a bit of a high school was a bit of a weird. Okay, who really likes high school at the end of the day? I mean, um, <laughs> but yeah, high school was a bit of a weird time just because I also had um, sort of the beginning of where I developed very pervasive body image issues. Uh, which is quite funny because everybody always goes, what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> Whenever I say that, I think just because, you know, my appearance and stuff and I don't have my fingernails painted today, but, you know, I'm pretty, uh, I'm pretty funky with the way that I physically uh, show myself yeah. to the public mm-hmm. uh, socially in, the, in that context. Uh, but, yeah, for whatever reason... Um, and you know it was funny because I never got made fun of for for the acne or anything like that. It was really strange how it really was all self-inflicted. Mm-hmm. Um, I am an obsessive person, um, and so what I didn't understand when I was younger was that you have to be careful with what you get obsessed about. That's <laughs> definitely true. Um, because the the energy that there's nothing wrong with being obsessed. I'll say that. It gets a bad rap, you know? I think so. And there's nothing wrong with it in that way. But when you're obsessed about something that doesn't propel you forward, doesn't really help anyone else, doesn't really help you, probably not a good thing to be obsessed about. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, but yeah, so anyway, so around 14, 13, I, I started to have these struggles with acne and then go on Accutane because that's what you do. And it's insane how hardcore that drug is. It's an acne medication and this yeah. thing's like insane what it does to you mentally. Mm-hmm. Um, so then I'm anxious and then I'm uh, even more fired up, uh, you know, more so than a teenage boy would be, right? Because you're already chock full of hormones and all that stuff anyway, so it's not like you're coming from a calm place as it is. Um, but then you're on Accutane and all this crazy stuff's going on and, and you hate the way that you look and you have a hard time looking at yourself in the mirror and then eventually that behavior would really start to get detrimental so far that... Basically, between the ages of 17 and 20, I actually couldn't look into a mirror without crying Mm -hmm. because I hated the way that I looked that much. It would literally bring me to tears. 
So like what I would do in the mornings, like when you're brushing your teeth or whatever, would be I would like crack the bathroom door open so that the light from the hallway would come in, but the bathroom was dark so that I couldn't really see my reflection. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Yeah. So that's kind of how you, you cope with that. Um, but yeah, a, a weird kind of place to be. And, uh, and then after that, then I, I think it was around 16, something around there, then I had a massive concussion, hockey related. So then that's like another thing that sort of piles on top of your already fragile state of being. And I remember that was such a difficult time for me because when I went back to school, um, I basically got a stack of papers from all my teachers, uh, talking about missing like six months of grade mm -hmm. 11. Yeah. And, uh, and they said, okay, here's what you missed. Here's what we're doing. Uh, catch up. Good luck. You know, and this was before Sidney Crosby got his concussion. It was just before. So... Once that happened, then a lot of this concussion research started to come forward and it became a popular thing to discover, I guess, mm -hmm. in, in that yeah. way. So the, the concussion protocols that are in place now for teenagers and children, I mean, night and I had nothing. 100%. Yeah, I had nothing. It was just like, okay. And when I came back, I was still fully symptomatic. Yeah. Fully symptomatic. Um, so yeah, so between the ages of like 14 to 20, I'd say were really, really, really bad times. You know, like you're just kind of white knuckling your way through it, uh, which was a, a bit of a shame because like I was a really happy kid, uh, like loved music, loved to dance and play air guitar and yeah. fun stuff like that and loved to read. I mean, I, I would read fiction at a vicious rate. Uh, you know, so I had a really active imagination. Um, and then during that time, that's actually when I stopped reading fiction. I, I didn't, I didn't, unless I had to, you know, for like English yeah, or whatever, totally. right? <laughs> like all, like we all had to, right? Exactly. Of mice and <laughs> Yeah. But, uh, you know, so it was kind of funny, you know, like I, I really, um, for whatever reason, self-imposed a bit of punishment on myself, like with, with all that acne stuff and all oh, you suck and. I'm ugly, not even ugly, but like I'm disgusting and no one likes you and yeah. shit like that. When, when you don't understand how to regulate your self-talk, you're going to find yourself in a real, real bad situation. Yeah. Because uh, that's the, the self-talk is the software that you run your program on, mm -hmm. your, your brain. That, that's your hardware. And, and those little software patches that you're making along the way, that affects your hardware. Yeah. And, uh, but when you're young, you don't understand the ramifications of what you, you know what I mean? Like you're just young, you're a teenager, you're an idiot like everybody else, right? Like, yeah, it's okay. <laughs> and so, so, you know, from the sounds of it, you, even from that young age, you weren't really a strange, you're not a stranger to just kind of having a negative self image. Horrible, horrible self image. Sorry about the smoke internal struggles. In your face, oh, no way. worries. We so got the cigars going. It's internal nice struggles, a negative self image, kind of the power of positive and negative thought i want to put that on hold right now because i yep. know we're going to dive into that later mm -hmm. and you know let's jump let's fast forward a little bit and for what everyone's listening for you <laughs> recently just broke a guinness world record we're still mm -hmm. waiting for it to be confirmed of yes. course and i'm sure you can fill me in on that but mm -hmm. <laughs> let's yeah let's jump into that and we're gonna have to 
jump around a bit on the, in our timeline a little bit, but it's like a Tarantino film. It is honestly, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> We're going to the beginning, the end, the middle, We're going is, around. I like it. Before we, yeah, before we jump back into your past and the whole process, tell the tell the listeners what you accomplished. Yeah, so it was the the twenty four hour Guinness World Record for most chin ups. Um, so, yeah, the final number that I ended up getting was 7,087. Incredible. Thank you very much. <laughs> it, it hurt a lot. Yeah, I It can was imagine. a lot of fun, though. Mm-hmm. Um, the cr- previous record, uh, the one that I walked in to beat, was uh, 5,430. Um, the goal was to do 6,000. And I had attempted it in December 20, uh, pardon me, December 19th, 2021. Mm -hmm. And uh, I managed to get to a little bit over 3,700 in 15 hours, uh, pretty much on the dot, which was cool. Um, Well, cool for, you know, being a loser. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I mean, sometimes you win, sometimes you lose. I lost that day. It's all good. Um, Yeah. And then I came back and, and went all the way to... 7,000 and some change on Mm -hmm. uh, August 20th. uh, Well, I guess August 21st uh, when I finished, um, technically. Uh, 2022? This is 2022, right? Yes. (laughs) I I asked. Thank you, Vincent. No worries. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. And so now I have to jump back again. So you just broke that record, Mm -hmm. but clearly this has been something that it's been years in the making. It's been uh, three years so and some change. Take me three years back mm-hmm. and just tell me, why did you want to do this? What, what inspired you to try and attempt such a... It's a colossal feat. It really is. It's, it, it was pretty ridiculous. Um, and it, it's, it's funny because today I actually did a, uh, my first ever speaking engagement for mm-hmm. the SFU men's basketball team which was such an honor, and I, th- I thought it was so poetic that my first ever uh, speaking engagement was for a basketball team, and we'll get into that, because yeah. I'm like, that's not an accident. You know, <laughs> There's that's very poetic and yeah. in a really fun way. Um, but yeah, so I, I guess this, this three-year journey. So I'm at this point in time, I'm uh, enrolled at the University of Surrey in Guildford, England, Yes, you heard that correctly for yeah. all the local listeners. <laughs> They're like, Surrey, what? Um, the nice thing about England is that you don't need a undergrad degree to go into your specialty. So medicine, dentistry, whatever it may be, law. Uh, you graduate the British equivalent of high school, and then you go into your specialty degree. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, you go a different route, right? But um, So the opportunity presented itself to, to move to England, and I took it and went and phenomenal experience. And And you went there to study law. And I went there to study law, yeah. So I I wasn't enrolled in in the law program there, which uh, from the time I was about 13, I I was like, I want to be a lawyer. I want to be a lawyer really bad. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had a real passion for the the subject and I still do. I think it's incredibly, terribly interesting. Um, But yeah, and so this, this three year journey, yeah, let's do it. So going into final year of law and this is pre-covid so the, you know it wasn't even on the horizon at that time and i'm th- i'm thinking to myself okay so you're going to graduate so your safety net y- your life as you know it is going to change right because man university's fun 
<laughs> it's yeah. a lot of fun. It you is. know, if you have the opportunity um, to go, you know, it doesn't matter what university or college or whatever, but it's a fun, ex- it's a fun time. Um, and so I was like, man, okay, I'm going to miss that. And I also realized, like, I'm going to be moving back home to a totally different continent, you know, so all the connections that I made are going to stay there. Um, so that was weighing heavy on me. And at this point in time, I had essentially treated myself um, like a therapist, um, psychologist, dealing with all those body image issues and, mm-hmm. and, and all the bullshit that was associated with that. And I did that by basically like just reading cognitive behavioral therapy and psychodynamic therapy, NLP, and I basically just kind of became my own therapist and I would run like cognitive behavioral therapy on myself. And, and that was sort of how I got myself patched up. And so going into third year, I'm feeling pretty good. Like still, still got a bit of work to do, but like we're looking good compared to where I started from, which was a fucking hot mess. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, and I, I was at a point where I, I also realized that you know, as far as jobs and the professional life, I'm like, what can I do that would differ? What's unique about me compared to my peers? You know, what differentiates me from everybody else? And I realized that, well, I was always a pretty good athlete and I never really explored that because I chose education mm-hmm. rather than some type of athletics. Um, and so I thought, okay, well, let's do something in that area. Athletics. Okay. What does that mean? Well, then David Goggins' book comes out a little bit before that. I'm really into uh, Jocko Willink and his podcast. Um, I start paying attention to like Tom Brady and George St. Pierre and Michael Jordan and Kobe Bryant. Like I, I just start kind of caught my eye on on these great athletes and and great um, military men who have achieved so much and. I just was kind of looking for, I was looking to find more because I just was also a little bit, I I wasn't unhappy, but I just felt like I'm not getting the most out of myself and I need to come up with something to try and do that. Um, And so anyway, then it was like, well, what would be like some crazy thing to do? What would be a wild thing to do? Uh, What about like, 500 push-ups right and then you do a google search and you go oh that's actually not a big deal at all and then you and then you kind of keep looking and you go what about pull-ups because i i couldn't do any mm-hmm. big fat zero yeah. um not like i was in bad shape but i just wasn't i'm a late bloomer i'm just i just wasn't developed totally. physically enough uh yet um and so i'm just kind of looking around looking around and then it was oh well didn't David Goggins break that pull-up record? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. So let's look up that pull-up record. Because by the time, I think, I can't remember when David did I think it was around 2010. I might be completely wrong on that. Mm-hmm. But it was a while before, you know, because now we're talking about 2019 yes. or 18, something like that. And uh, so then we, I stumble upon the pull-up record, which was 7,715 reps set by Brandon Tucker, who I've now friends with and was a guest on this podcast uh, as well which is pretty cool 
And so at the time I found the record, I didn't know who he was. I just saw that number and went, holy shit, this dude's a beast. <laughs> um, and then I found the Chin Up record. Um, and, f <laughs> you know, it's funny because it's like, it's weird to think that for whatever reason, 7,700 reps was too much, but 5,400 reps was like, oh yeah, totally doable. Yeah. So it, it was strange. Like there, there was something that just connected in me. Um, and you're talking to a guy who at the time literally could not do more than two or three reps in a row, right? So you're talking from two reps to 7,000 plus, mm -hmm. right? And, um, but yeah, it stuck. And I just thought, I'm going to break that record. You know, I don't know how. I, I had no clue about anything, like how to actually go about doing that at the time. But I just was like, okay, that's what I'm going to do. I'm going to go back for my third year. I'm going to do well in my third year. And, jeez. Uh, Who is yelling? Was that at a dog? I hope. Was that a dog or a human? <laughs> oh, my God. That's an edit, but uh, we power through. Yep. See, this is the joys of doing a podcast outside, enjoying the nice weather. <laughs> yeah. You get you get the ambiance of psychopaths noise. in the background. Um, but yeah, so I, I decide this is what I'm going to do. And that's kind of where it starts. Mm -hmm. yeah. And let's start with, you know, because even from the time of when you decided and set your mind on this record and your first attempt so much took place but mm -hmm. you know let's start with what your what was your workout routine how did you start to prepare yourself or what did the early days look like in terms of physical preparation yeah so get to work baseline we need to start somewhere so my first workouts were 20 reps in 30 minutes mm -hmm. those are my first few workouts and essentially it was, um, now, okay, I know the question was the physical stuff, but to be fair, um, the first year I recognized that, okay, in order to achieve something like that, it's a mind game. Mm -hmm. So I, I understood enough from learning from the people who are better than me that, listen, this is a mind game. And extreme pain and fatigue fucks with your head. And what it does is because when you go, when you try to achieve something that's, especially, we'll just stick to like something physical, right? Yeah. Because there, there's physical pain. So physical pain and fatigue has a way of exposing your insecurities because it's in your head. So it doesn't matter if you're Michael Jordan on the basketball court or George St. Pierre in the octagon or Tom Brady on the football field. If... When the pressure is on and the pain and the fatigue starts setting in, it's going to find the cracks in your mental game mm -hmm. and it's going to expose it and yeah. it's going to expose it quick. So I understood that my weakness as a human being is that I'm weak mentally. I'm a quitter. I quit on myself. I don't, you know, I'm one of the, I was one of those people who, you know, I'm not going to try that hard because then if I fail, it's like, well, you know, I didn't really try that hard and I yeah. got an out. Mm -hmm. And I think that's really, really common. But at the time, I thought that was a really unique problem to me where I'm like, man, I'm such a loser that this is how I. <laughs> but it, you know, it turns out that's like I, I'm 
pretty sure that's all of us at some point in time, some more than others. Mm -hmm. But I think that's a, a universal human experience to just kind of maybe not push as hard because of the, the fear of failure is so deep that to risk winning, you risk losing. And the risk of losing is too, it's too much for people. And it certainly was for me. And that was reflected in my grades and that was reflected in my relationships. And it was reflected in my guitar playing. Like it just, it had, it permeated me as an individual. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, so the nice thing was that because I was so physically um, weak, you're literally talking to a guy who was at absolute zero. Yeah. Pretty much, right? Mm -hmm. Like 20 reps is the most you could do in your first few workouts. You're trying to get to 5,000 plus. Yeah. That's pretty much zero. You, so you literally started from scratch. Absolutely. Yeah. And, um, but the nice thing was, is that it gave me time to work on between my ears, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. It gave me the opportunity to go, okay, so I'm going to keep pushing with these workouts, but I really have to do the work between between the ears you know my mental game really needs improvement so yeah. i would basically just try and you do 20 reps and then you do another 20 and do another 20 and then you just start slowly ramping it up let's try 50 let's mm -hmm. try 100. Uh, i remember i was stuck at 180 reps for a really long time so i would do like six reps a minute for 30 minutes to give you 180 and i was stuck at that for few months I think yeah. like it was a really long time um, but then what you do is then okay you try and do 180 every day right so then then it becomes how much can you do in a week you know so basically my workouts were what can I do in a day and then what can I do in a week and that was how I structured it because y y you can't wrap your head around going from 20 to 5,000 plus. Yeah. You can't wrap your head around that. It's not meant to. Mm -hmm. But you can wrap your head around 20 to 50, 50 to 100, 100 to 150. Like, you can do it incrementally. That's how you do it. Um, I also didn't have the ability to go from 20 to 300. You had to step by step, little mm -hmm. bit by little bit. You had It was that slow. Yeah. It was that slow, you know? And so... Just to, just to make sure this is obvious for the listeners, this is all within kind of the first few months to the first year of training. Yeah. And you're building incrementally. Mm -hmm. Now, did you supplement, you talk about doing 150 to 180 to even more chin-ups mm -hmm. per day, per week. Did you supplement that with anything else? Any stretching, any bench press, squatting, anything like that? As far as weights are concerned, I... I don't really remember I, I know that I didn't really do much of that mm -hmm. um, just because what you're trying to do is is volume based yeah so weightlifting is not gonna really help you um, all that much it's gonna help I mean moving your body doing anything is gonna help of course right but you know what's the most bang for your buck right then around that time I also got really into DDP yoga yeah which I'm now uh, almost a certified instructor. I'm right near the tail end of the, the level one process, which Fantastic. is really exciting. Um, and I just had, I just picked up two new clients today. So Amazing. that's, uh, yeah, one of them's pregnant. So I'm like, oh, okay. prenatal yoga, let's do it. <laughs> so, the, and there is a program for that. So I'm excited to, to uh, help them out. They're great, great people. So it's uh, fun. 
But yeah, so this DDP yoga, um, what I liked about it was that I'm not a yoga guy at all. Mm -hmm. uh, I wasn't really a stretch, stretching. <laughs> like, come on, right? What are you weak, right? What are you doing, you know? So I, I didn't think much of that stuff. But what sold me on, on the DDP yoga was um, DDP, Diamond Dallas Page. He's a retired um, wrestler, like WWE yeah. wrestler. And um, But what sold me on it was not just the physical benefits, which I saw um, demonstrated, but the breathing aspects and the positive mindset. Mm -hmm. um, I can't remember who said it. It was a jujitsu, legendary jujitsu practitioner who said that uh, yoga is a martial art you perform on yourself. And it doesn't have to be. You can, uh, you can dial it back. But certainly if you're going hardcore, it most certainly is, mm -hmm. right? Um, and like anything that's difficult, learning to breathe. Because here's the thing about breathing. You control your breath, you control your thoughts, you control your emotions, you control your behavior, you control the outcome. That's how that starts. Yeah. It starts with the breath. This is the most fundamental element of, of living. Because you can survive without water for a while. You can survive without food for a yeah. while. You can't survive very long without air. You're going to go pretty quick. You know, we're talking minutes, right? So breathing is one of those things that I don't think we pay enough attention to. Uh, and then shortly after that is when I was exposed to Wim Hof. Mm -hmm. And then I was like, okay, this is something new. So not only the breath work, but the cold water mm -hmm. as well. Because being cold, which, I mean, I hate being cold. I'm pretty sure everybody hates being cold. But, like, yeah. it just, I really would avoid it all the time. And so when I saw what Wim Hof was doing with this breathing and how it allowed him to not just survive but to, act, to accomplish impossible feats in the cold, that's when it started to kind of creep into my mind, like, how can I combine all of these things into a cohesive program to allow me to achieve a chin-up record, right? And, and that's what I, you know, looking back, being on the, you know, I, I've crossed the threshold mm -hmm. because I've beaten that record. And then when I look back over my shoulder, it's, it's so crazy to think that I truly did it my own way. You know, I took as much information from as many sources as I could. But the way that I formulated it with countless trial and error and, I mean, all I did was make mistakes. I mean, that was what I think gets lost in this whole process was like, oh, wow, Marcus, the, the winner over here. And it's like, yeah, but you didn't see me fall on my face hundreds of times mm -hmm. that let me that led me to this place. Yeah. You know, and, and that's what I'm most proud of, to be honest with you, is, I mean, of course, I'm, I'm proud of what I did on that day because there was a lot of shit that happened on that day that was pretty yeah. wild. And, and we'll get into that. Yeah, and there was some problem solving that had to occur. But I just am I'm so happy that I was right. I'm so relieved that the way that I did it worked for me. Mm -hmm. And 
when I talk to Brandon, um, the Mr. Pull-ups, uh, <laughs> when, you know, when I talked to him, we actually had very similar, uh, schedules and, and how we approached it. There actually was a quite a bit of similarity, but okay. there's also some massive differences. And that's what I loved about it. And, and when you read about, um, Goggins and his book with his approach that he took, same thing, like my approach still was very different. Mm-hmm. Um, very similar to of course but different different enough to put my stamp on it my my unique qualities are imprinted on that record Mm -hmm. um i'm sorry i kind of went a little bit on a a tangent here but no that's all good (laughs) i'm like god what did he ask so leading up to your first attempt you know you you've got the physical part down you're building that up yep you were very aware of how you needed to improve your mental game yeah and of course you had the breath work and the cold water wim hop technique which is a little if i can say maybe a mix of both the physical and the mental definitely is so yep let's talk about your first attempt if we can Uh uh-huh and tell me how that went Mm -hmm. so i mean i was in good shape but not great shape Mm -hmm. um trying to think how about we let's do like the couple weeks before yeah maybe three maybe a month before so i'm doing three thousand to four thousand reps a week Mm -hmm. doing 10 minutes of uh 10 to 15 minutes of cold water a week you're doing maybe once a week meditation like Mm -hmm. specific like i'm gonna do breathing meditation techniques yeah you're playing a bit of hockey, you know, like ASHL, yeah, uh, you know, beer league hockey, um, staying in shape there, doing a little bit of running, mm-hmm. you know, but nothing DDP yoga workouts. I'm doing 30 to 60 minutes a day, something like yeah. that. I, I want to just pause you real yeah, yeah. quick here. So your first attempt was in 2021. One, that's right. December 19th, 2021. And so you started on this adventure kind of like late 2018 or early 2019, right? Mm-hmm. So this is the process of two years. You go from doing 20 pull-ups a day to doing about three to 4,000 a week, mm-hmm. plus everything you just mentioned on top. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So, yeah, keep going. Yeah, and so um, <laughs> so the, the, the week before, the two weeks before, I was feeling the worst I had felt probably – that whole year, mm-hmm. physically, I mean. Um, I don't really know what was going on. I, I, f- I still don't really have an explanation. The only explanation I can think of was that my physical um, issues were the result of some type of mental, something was going on in my head that was having a physical effect, yeah. which would make sense because I still wasn't in a very, um, well, and I guess kind of the important thing that I left out was that I also... Um, had gotten out of a what I now recognize to be an emotionally and psychologically abusive relationship mm-hmm. um, and which really sucked um, because things were really bad in that relationship in particular on that last six month stretch that ended in August and um, I also went through uh, a pretty deep depression as a result of that um, so yeah, like it was a really shitty time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it fucking sucked. Yeah. Um, 
and especially when you're trying to wrap your hand or your head around like and it's funny that it took me this long to realize like holy fuck like I actually was I was a victim like even for me to say that it's like wow like what <laughs> yeah but you know I mean call it like it is and the funniest thing was that um talking to my friends uh recently they all were like yeah you fucking were you just figured this out now and I'm like, well, you guys should have said something, you know, like, come <laughs> yeah. on, you know. Um, but, you know, again, it goes back to that. It's such an awkward and difficult thing to manage. You know, how do you help someone who you see as being abused um, in some form or another? And especially because, you know, physical abuse is pretty easy to spot, right? Like you can't hide that in the same way that you can hide psychological and emotional abuse, right? Mm -hmm you know, put on a smile and kind of all you need. Right. Um, but yeah, so I think my mental state, which was not good, I was working really hard to get through that, but I still was not, I was not in the right place, mm -hmm. but going through that experience on December 19th, that was very therapeutic and that really helped me okay. um, also get through it. But yeah, so we show up on the day, and I'm feeling terrible. I got no power, um, no explosive movement whatsoever. I'm sore. I'm getting tired. My, my heart rate skyrockets, you know, way higher than it should be based on the output. So now I recognize like, yeah, that was probably a mental issue mm -hmm. manifesting as a physical one. But yeah. anyway, what I'm... Uh, one of the things that I was proud of on that day was that I knew I was compromised. Like I knew I'm not feeling well, but I have a responsibility. I said I was going to do it on this day. You can't postpone the day. You know, like you can't. Well, you could, mm -hmm. but what would that make you? Right? What does that make me? Like if my word is to say, hey, Vincent, I'm going to do this today and I don't, that's on me. And the fact that I told you that, and then you look at me and you go, well, why didn't you do it? Eh, yeah. No, we're not doing that. Mm -hmm. We're not going to do that. I'm going to show up. And if, if I fall on my face, I'm going to fall on my face. But at least I showed up. Yeah. At least I showed up. Because I can say that I was honorable by following what I said I was going to accomplish or at least attempt to, right? So, yeah. So, we show up on the day. And, um, I mean, it goes well, you know, like... I mean, to do 3,700 mm -hmm. is nothing to sneer at. Of I mean, course. that's a decent performance yeah. for sure. I mean, it wasn't good enough, but it was a decent performance. And kind of one of the things that really unlocked, and how I describe this is for anybody who's watched uh, Sherlock, the, the BBC series with Benedict Cumberbatch, mm -hmm. you know, this mind palace, this idea of a mind palace. Yeah. And so I kind of had my own version of that where it's like I need to find a place in my mind that I can go to where I can just be focused and nothing else can touch me other than what is inside this room. And so it's like this little mental activity and you, you sort of develop this space where you can operate and focus and just exist yeah. in, in a place where you're totally safe and totally, you know, my body's here, but mentally, dude, I am somewhere mm -hmm. way different, yeah. you know? Um, but that's the level that you need. And, you know, that, that's what you, you have to have that in order to achieve, you know, there comes a threshold of physical excellence. And once you kind of cross that line, you need to have 
some version of that. Mm -hmm. How an individual perceives that is entirely up to them. But, but you need higher level cognition in order to get through the minefield that you're going to face. Because that's what it is. You're problem solving. Mm -hmm. it, it seems like you're just doing chin-ups, but when you're doing chin-ups and all of a sudden your hands are, are hurting, and then it's like, oh man, I want to go home. And all these, see, like all these little things mm -hmm. are creeping in your mind. You have to be able to step over, around, under, through, whatever the, whatever the fuck you have to do to solve that problem, you have yeah. to figure it out. And so having that ability to just focus in that way where you're in your own, you know, version of your mind palace, you know, for, for, to keep that reference going, mm -hmm. um, that's what you need to do. And, and so I'm, a, I'm about 1,500 reps in and I'm done. Mm -hmm. I'm done. Toast. And then my nephew shows up. And so my nephew is uh, six months old at the time, five and a half months old at the time. Yeah. And I'm on a break, and I'm and I have pictures of this too, so you know it's legit. <laughs> but I'm I'm sitting with him, and he's kind of sitting on my lap, and I'm just kind of playing with him, and and I'm looking at him, and I just got I got so angry with myself, because I was like, I mean, my little nephew is gonna grow up, and what is he gonna think? What's he gonna know? He's gonna know that his uncle bitched out on December 19th yeah. like what the fuck man like mm -hmm. no that is not acceptable like I don't give a shit how tired I am how bad I want to go home it's just like no 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 let's fucking go and so I basically just kind of rode an anger wave yeah <laughs> because the, the, the idea of letting him down was too much for me to handle and so it was just like boom roger that let's get to work so I rode that wave to about 3,700. Yeah. Um, but, you know, you, you, it wasn't enough to go mm -hmm. all the way. And it certainly was not, you know, looking back. But what I learned was that fighting for something bigger than yourself basically doubled my output. And all of a sudden I was fresh. And all of a sudden I was moving more smoothly. Mm -hmm. So that's interesting. So what is that? What was that? So that was a great realization, like of probably all the things that happened on that day, as far as lessons learned, that was probably the greatest one, which was to understand. And then I kind of appreciated the fact that, you know, I took on the record to, it was an impossible task, mm -hmm. right? I mean, it was, sure. it was literally the most impossible thing I could come up with to do 5,500, you know, let's call it, chin-ups because I couldn't do more than 20 that's pretty fucking impossible but I understood that in order to achieve the impossible you have to be strong mentally and spiritually emotionally psychologically as a human being you have to be a complete human being in order to achieve at that level and having gone through that and risking failure and risking losing in order to win you know, it, it really started to open my eyes to like, man, I was actually kind of, I was pretty ignorant. Like I didn't really fully appreciate like, you know, because to me it was like Guinness world record. That's so normal because I've been thinking about it and training for it for so long. To mm -hmm. me, it's normal, but I didn't appreciate that on the outside looking in, it's like, what the fuck? Like, this is insane. Like, yeah. what are you doing? You know? Um, and so that was a really, that was a really, really positive impact on me as a person was to understand that 
um, my actions today will have an effect on me and everybody around me tomorrow. Mm -hmm. And that really stopped me in my tracks and made me go, whoa, okay, what does that mean? And so I really got to work on that. Um, yeah. And so, you know, all of these takeaways that you're mentioning, this is all after the first attempt. Yes, sir. Now, I want to ask, like, after you had that attempt, got to 3,700, stopped, and, you know, maybe had a few days to process this, mm -hmm. did you, what did you think that you needed to work on the most? Were, were you like, okay, I've got a physical gap I need to address. Definitely. Or I need to continue to build my mental game, or was it both? It was everything. And, yeah. and quickly before I get to that, I of should course. mention too what it feels like to lose. <laughs> yeah. Let's not, let's not forget, yeah. you know, let's, let's relive your, let's relive you being a loser, Marcus. All right, mm -hmm. let's go. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was so devastating. Uh, it, it's difficult to describe when you put yourself out there especially because like I trained myself, I coached myself, I was my own cheerleader. I mean, I had to do everything. Not to say I didn't have support mm -hmm. from many people, which I absolutely did, and I would not have been able to achieve what I've achieved without them. Yeah. Um, but that being said, I mean, it was all on me yeah. in order to achieve this thing. When you're with the bar, it's, it is you. It is just you. Yeah. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter how many people are telling you, you can do it. If you don't want to do it or if you can't, that's on you. Yeah. Um, you can't you can't put that on anyone else. But, yeah, man, I mean, it was it was so gut wrenching. I mean, it felt like someone pulled my heart out of my chest. Like, it was just such a, oh, wow. Like, it, it just hurt so bad. Mm -hmm. And what was kind of interesting, sort of double-edged sword, was that my belief in my ability to do it was actually stronger in that moment, which was really confusing. I couldn't rationalize that at the time because, mm -hmm. you know, you got adrenaline going through your, your body and you're, you're upset and you're, what the fuck, I can't believe this, and you're feeling all this shit. Um, but I, I had this, you know, drive nonetheless that as the neighborhood dog chimes in um <laughs> i i knew that i can do this though mm -hmm. and i was like but why am i not doing it right now like it, it really was like it might sound really goofy to as the listener but in my head i was like how can this cognitive dissonance like mm -hmm. how yeah. can both of these thoughts exist simultaneously and both be true um but they were what i recognized was that oh it just means I'm not going to do it today. Yeah. That's what it means. So that was interesting. As you pointed out, yeah, I recognize that, okay, so what went right and what went wrong? Y you have to do an autopsy. Mm -hmm. uh, as people, when you try to achieve something, anything, and it doesn't go your way, and even when it does go your way, like it really doesn't matter. You have to absolutely dissect it down to the finest detail about what went well, what went wrong, what can I do, how can I do it? And you, you need to just analyze the living hell out of it. And thankfully, I'm a detail-oriented person, and you know I was a studious 
person as well. So for me, that was a relatively easy thing to do as long as you can put your ego aside and just examine the pain of losing. Mm -hmm. Nothing wrong with that. You lost today. Yeah. Suck it up. That was yesterday. Yesterday is already forgotten about you. It's over. Yeah. So what are you going to do about it today? Right? And um, so I basically just was like, okay, so let's, let's figure it out. And so, like I previously mentioned, like that, that experience with my nephew and, and how that kind of opened my eyes. I'm like, okay, there's something there. And I explored that. And I also just realized, especially to the physical side, I just was not in good enough shape. Mm -hmm. It just was not enough. Yeah. Um, and so then it was like, okay, so what am I going to do about it? And I didn't have a lot of answers because um, if I had them, I would have done it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Right. But actually, one of the first things that I did was I reached out to Brandon Tucker on Instagram, mm -hmm. uh, Mr. Pull Ups and Mr. Muscle Ups, actually. Uh, he's got both 24 hour Guinness records for that, although he's awaiting verification for yeah. the uh, Muscle Up one, um, mm -hmm. just like yours truly here. <laughs> but um, I reached out to him and I just thought, well, let me just talk to this guy because he's done it. He is where I want to be. He's done it twice. So there's something that this guy's doing that's working because he's got the proof to show that what he's doing is working. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I was fortunate enough that he responded right away. And um, so we're talking, I guess, about January, February yep. at this point. And I, okay. I don't remember when I had him on the podcast, like when I recorded it versus when it was uploaded because um, there was a bit of a, a delay from you know, that conversation to when it was uploaded, but it really opened my eyes. Um, and I, I had many conversations with him before and after the podcast. And I just ask him questions. I just ask him from, from mental things to physical things. Like, what do you think about this? How'd you do this? What about this? What are mm -hmm. your thoughts on this? And I just would bug the shit out of him. Yeah. <laughs> like a pesky little brother. I'd be like, Hey man, like, you know, and he's extremely gracious and, and just was, answered every question and I mean he was great and and I, I think having gone through I mean I got to 3700 and that was more I believe it's in Goggins book so it's easy to fact check but off the top of my mm. head I believe that Goggins didn't get past 2500 on both attempts uh this first two attempts he did it on the third one successfully mm -hmm. But on his first two attempts, David Goggins couldn't get more than, we'll just say 2,500, and yeah. forgive me if I'm messing up that number. But I got to 3,700, and I'm a fucking law student who started at nothing. Yeah. So that was at least, it gave me confidence in myself that, okay, man, like you're not as far off as you think you are. Mm -hmm. You're in the ballpark, right? Um, so just having that confidence to keep per keep persisting because the thing is is that I remembered what it felt like to lose and so I understood immediately that I'm going to do this again and you're risking the exact same thing. Mm -hmm. You're risking losing in order to win and that messes with your head. It does. It yeah. really does. Um, but if you're courageous despite the fear, that's the answer. Mm -hmm. is to have courage um, and, and to just work like a dog. And that was what I did. And yeah. so, I mean, I was doing uh, 5,500 to 7,000 reps a week. Mm -hmm. 
I'm doing five to 20 minutes of cold water a day. Yeah. So I like drastically increase that. I'm doing roughly an hour to two hours of DDP yoga a day. Mm-hmm. You're running, you're doing MMA, you're, I, I mean, I just, I was training physically for five-ish hours a day, four, four to five hours a day. And just to put a benchmark so uh-huh. that, you know, I really want the listeners to have just a, a good idea of your progression. What point, if you can put a month in, what month was it that you were hitting that 5,500 to 7,000? It really wasn't until June. Okay, so six six months after your first attempt. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, and then roughly two and a half months before the next one. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it was actually a pretty short window. Yeah. Um, but I also knew that, you know, one of my, and that's the thing too, when you go through that, you have to really take stock of your strengths and weaknesses. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't really do that the first time, the second time I did. And one of my greatest strengths I recognized was that, um, and that came from the Last Dance documentary, which completely changed my life. Mm-hmm. And I don't think I would have been able to do the record without that documentary. Yeah. Um, especially when I was at my absolute lowest, mm-hmm. that documentary saved me. Yeah. And it, it, I clung to that fucking thing like crazy. And I've watched all their, all the bulls playoff games and all that stuff, you know, like just to be, just to see somebody as excellent as Michael perform. Mm -hmm. It gave me hope that maybe I'm not so crazy because what Michael did was unprecedented in so many ways. And I just figured if that guy can do that when he did it, before I was born, for the most part, I mean, he won four championships before I was born. Um, and the fact that his actions in the 90s is inspiring a 20-something-year-old kid living in England from Vancouver, going to law, trying to break a Guinness World Record, mm-hmm. like that is, there's something special to that. And it just sort of opened my eyes to like, okay, like, let's let's keep going here. But yeah, so one of my strengths that I recognized was that I'm young. Physically, that's an advantage. Mentally, it's a weakness. Mm-hmm. You know, what, and I, and I especially did that with Brandon. I said, okay, where, what are my similarities to Brandon? What are my differences to Brandon? Mm-hmm. Because he's like a benchmark. He's, he's a guy that I've talked to. So he's real. It's not like Goggins. I've never met him. He, he in a way, he's not real. Yeah. Right. He's, he's a, he's a guy on a screen or he's a, a character in a book. Um, but Brandon was real. And so I, I just started kind of seeing through reflecting on what other people have done and what I've done, Mm -hmm. what are my strengths and weaknesses? And I realized that it's my body. My body is, is not banged up. You know, I'm young. Mm -hmm. I haven't gone through a lot of shit yet. Although I beat the shit on myself on, on (laughs) August, you know, in August, especially. Um, (laughs) but, uh, and that was a thing where I was like, okay, so I can actually train way harder because I'm young and I can recover Yeah, and I'm making an effort to recover harder, which sounds like an oxymoron, but it's not, mm-hmm. you know, doing mobility training, doing band work, doing, um, like isolated stretching and isolated mobility movements before and after your chin up workouts, um, getting smarter with breathing and basically just kind of it was basically just like an upgrade. It was yeah. everything that I did before. I'm going to do it harder, faster, stronger. Mm-hmm. And that was the attitude. Um, because I just figured that the key to this whole thing 
really is work ethic Mm -hmm. and not quitting. Yeah. Because it's amazing what you're willing, uh, pardon me, it's amazing what you can endure when you decide I'm going to work my ass off and I am not going to quit. Mm-hmm. And, and that gets, we'll t- uh, it might be where we're going next, but yeah, that's what I would say to that question. Mm-hmm. Okay. And I have a few questions before we kind of move on to the oh, weeks leading up to your second <laughs> attempt. But I guess to start, so you talk about really taking the recovery seriously. Mm-hmm. Is that something that only came after your first attempt? Kind of, because I realized that, okay, if I'm going to train harder, which I am, Mm -hmm. I'm going to be sore and I need to, I cannot get injured. So, and I did get injured, um, I think in March, uh, 2022, Mm -hmm. I think I, that's when I hurt my shoulder pretty bad. So I couldn't do a chin up for like eight weeks, uh, six weeks. Yeah. That was tough. um, Just because it was like, holy shit, like. You know, it's tough to be off a bar for that long, you know, but, it, you know, it was fine. And it gave me the opportunity to work more on different things. And, you know, so it was fine. Mm-hmm. Um, but, yeah, I recognize like, OK, if I'm going to go harder, I need to recover to allow me to con- to stay in the fight. You yeah. have to stay in the fight. Mm-hmm. That was critical. So, yeah. So it was uh, train hard and recover harder. And I put a lot more. And, and trust me, it is it is annoying to do that stuff. <laughs> Like, I don't want to say, yeah. like, I don't want to make it sound like, oh, yeah, like, every day I just got up and I was positive and I got to work and mm-hmm. I would do my cold water. I'm a beast. Hell fucking no, man. <laughs> no way. Yeah. That, that's the thing. I'm just a regular fucking guy, man. Mm-hmm. I'm just a regular guy. So I feel the same way as everyone else does. I'm tired today. I worked hard yesterday. I got stuff to do. I got to work. I got, you know other responsibilities you know blah 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 but you have to i mean if you want it if you really want the result you are willing you will be willing to put the work in and then it's just a matter of staying disciplined that's Mm -hmm. it that's it there's no secret formula there's no special juice to this whole thing it really is just a matter of staying in the fight long enough to win it really is that simple. And actually, it was funny today because one of the basketball players, he asked me, he said, you know, at the end of the, you know, we had our little Q&A period, mm-hmm. and he straight up asked me, he's like, so does that mean that I can beat you at that record? And I said, fuck yeah, it is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did put the caveat by saying, well, if you challenge me to go side by side, I said, you're going to lose. Yeah. <laughs> 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 I'm like, no, 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 no. You're going to lose. If it's a, if it's a 1v1, I'm a win. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was you know, funny. But um, but yeah, and, and I said, absolutely. Absolutely. And it was funny because he said, in four to five years, could I beat your record? And I said, you could do it in two. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I said, you can do it in two. Okay. Yeah. And <laughs> I also want to ask about your relationship with Brandon, who... It sounds like he was just an incredible mentor. Yeah. You reach out to him after your first attempt. I don't think he realizes it either. I kind of fangirl him behind the scenes. Shout shout out Brandon. Um, (laughs) Hi, Brandon. (laughs) Were there any tips he gave you, whether it was in terms of your physical training or the mental side? You know, was there anything that he left you that helped you you take it to the next level? Yeah, I'll tell you what the the biggest thing was that there was everything he said, I knew. Okay. And that was so reassuring to me 
I mean, it, it sounds kind of goofy, but it was like, oh my God, like this guy's saying the same shit that I'm saying mm -hmm. and he's training the same way that I'm training. The only difference was he was doing it at a higher level. Yeah. That was it. But there weren't, there wasn't anything that he said that didn't cross my mind or, or stuff that I was already doing. Mm -hmm. And just that reassurance of knowing like, oh, I am on the right path. Okay. Yeah. And it was such a relief. And, and that's what he provided for me was just this keep going you're doing well mm -hmm. just do it harder faster stronger yeah and so you say yeah. a higher level do you mean that in terms of you know he was working out more consistently than you yep. he was doing more reps yep. or like just mentally he was a little bit more ahead at the time all the above i think okay. mentally it's it's of course very difficult because you're talking about a guy who went through ranger school yeah. <laughs> you know he's a special forces guy and so um, and even just in his life, uh, I, I actually can't really remember how old he is, but he, he's, and on the podcast, I mean, we opened with him talking about all the shit that he went through and it yeah. was like his mom died, his marriage ended and he lost his career in the military due to an autoimmune disease and was medically retired. Dude, like I got to sit down from listening to you. I'm like, how the fuck did you get through that? You know? So, you know, mentally he had gone through stuff that hardened him and and these experiences that gave him the opportunity to find light in the dark and and he did that mm -hmm. um, and he's continuing to do that you know it's a non-stop journey right but yeah what it really was was just this reassurance that yeah you know he was doing higher volume and he was doing and even just as simple as uh, he said don't do don't do chin-ups with weights Mm. do them get rid of the weights and just go higher volume because that was one of the things I was doing was I was doing you know weighted chin-ups but okay. that wasn't going that didn't help and it wasn't going to so you know is there like a dog reunion going on around I here I don't know how much these microphones <laughs> are picking it up because I'm like we're getting yeah. into it but it's part of the ambiance. it's such it's so lovely out but um mm -hmm. <laughs> but um yeah and it really was just that reassurance like you're doing well just keep going Mm -hmm. and just step it up a bit okay and and it was like okay i can do that i can do that yeah awesome mm -hmm. okay we're back excellent so back after a short break now mm -hmm. before we lead up into your second attempt the other thing i wanted to ask is you talk about just you talked about how big the last dance was for you <laughs> yeah and something that you watched on repeat. So over a hundred times. Do you have a favorite moment or a favorite episode? Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> you have to All pick of one. It. Yeah, you I have, have to, to pick one. I have to pick one. Yeah. Well, I'll give you a couple. <laughs> sure. Sure. <laughs> Let me just disregard what you want from me real quick. Yeah. I, I remember one thing that Michael said just kind of a little bit as a throwaway comment was more um, talking about the second three-peat mm -hmm. when he said that what I, because they asked him like what championship was your favorite or, you know, some whatever question along those lines. And he basically said that with the second three-peat, um, what I, I'm paraphrasing, but what, what I'm proud of was that how I used my mind rather than my body mm -hmm. and I, I can't remember if I said rather like I, I can't remember the specific 
way that he phrased it, yeah. um, being put on the spot. Um, but that stuck in my head where I'm like, Michael Jordan talked about how he used his mind. Yeah. And I'm like, he's like the greatest, one of the greatest athletes ever. Um, so that was interesting to, you know, cause he didn't say like, oh yeah, like I was running fast and dunking on people and stuff like that. He said mm -hmm. my ability to, to use my mind in order to achieve. So that really stuck out. But I, I would say my favorite moment, uh, came in, I think it's episode nine where, uh, the guy, I think his name was Mark. I don't know how you would pronounce it. Vansel. Okay. I think was the, the right guy. It's, it's funny. As soon as we stop this recording, I'm going to be like, yeah, it was this guy <laughs> yeah. and it was at this minute. But yeah. yeah, when you're on the spot, right? So forgive me if I'm messing this up. But in my head, I can picture it right now. And talking about going into the 98 finals, um, after that grueling seven-game series in the Eastern Conference Finals against Indiana. Yeah. And he said that Michael's greatest gift was that he was a mystic. He was present. He was never anywhere else. He didn't allow what he couldn't control to enter his mind. And that really stood out. And, and during that scene where Mark is speaking, it shows him in the interview chair, and then it shows Michael on the bus uh, right outside the Utah stadium. And then he walks in, and he's got his headphones on. He's listening to music. Kenny Lattimore, right? I remember that. And he said, mm -hmm. yeah, his new album, I'm listening to it early because yeah. he's a yeah, friend. Yeah, yeah. And he's rocking out to this, you know, whatever song he's listening to. And he's kind of joking around with, with some of the staff in the building as he's walking to go to practice. And, and it was just like he was exhausted, but he still was having fun. Mm -hmm. He was in the moment. He wasn't worried about what's going to happen later or what if this goes bad. Because, see, that's the thing, you know, when you think about the future, how do you think about it? Do you think about it in the best case scenario or the worst case scenario? Yeah. It's tricky. It's tricky. You have to expect the best always. Expect the best always. Mm -hmm. And trust yourself, number one. And that's what he did. And he trusted himself. He trusted in his ability to win. And he was going to do whatever it took to win. Yeah. And he always expected that outcome and okay. that was what really changed in me and then certainly leading up to that I mean just my spirits like just how I was was so different leading up into that I really enjoyed myself I really enjoyed myself on those couple weeks before I mean I was doing really well leading up to your second attempt yeah okay and yeah you know I think this is a great that's a great transitioning point so let's talk about your second like leading up to your second attempt Give us a quick benchmark as to where you were at in terms of how many chin-ups per week, how, whatever, the mental, the journaling, the breathing exercises. Tell us about that. Yeah, so the journaling became really important. Mm -hmm. um, I basically just was like, if anything bothers me, write it down. Get it out of your head. Yeah. You need to, and, and through, the, through the act of um, writing, um, especially with things that bother you, you actually, it cognitively is input. The cognitive input is different. Mm -hmm. So you change it from an emotional reactionary fight or flight response into a rational logical one because mm -hmm. through your, and you're also detaching, you're writing it on paper because trust me, if there's something that's bothering you, like, let's just say like you have a negative self-talk, 
like something like I'm a loser and you write that down on a piece of paper and you look at it, you're going to feel differently looking at that paper than you would just having it fester inside mm -hmm. your mind. You're going to look at that and I hope your reaction is like, what the fuck? Yeah. This is not okay. Because you're looking at it not in an emotional way. You're looking at it in a rational way. Because how would, how would you react? Like if you told me like, hey man, this is how I'm feeling. I'm thinking this way. I'd be like, you're better than that. Yeah. Don't do that to yourself. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to put yourself through that. I care about you. That's not okay. How can I help you? Right? Like just by detaching in that way, you, you look at a problem in a completely different way. Um, along with eradicating some of the negativity, which there was a little bit of, but mm -hmm. you know, not like it used to be. It was the positive affirmation type stuff. Yeah. It was, I'm, I'm feeling confident about what I'm doing and I had a great workout today. And, and other times it would be, um, I remember one day, I think it was August 7th and in that journal entry, I was supposed to have like a, a, a pretty big, uh, I think it was like an 800 rep workout, yeah. but I only an, ended up doing 500 cause my shoulder was bugging me. And so I wrote down in that journal, I basically just said, you know, I didn't quit don't be hard on yourself for not doing the remaining 300 because then I did mobility work on that shoulder. Mm -hmm. So I, I had to change my approach and, and basically giving myself permission because before I would be like, Oh, I'm a piece of shit. I suck. Like it just be like so negative so quickly. And yeah. it's like, you have to be a little more rational than that. You have okay. to be a little more sensible and treat yourself a little more kindly yeah. um, rather than like jumping down your throat. It's a bit goofy. Mm -hmm. Um, Certainly, if you're trying to achieve something positive, it's not going to work out, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but, uh, I swear to God, this, every time I light the cigar, then I start talking. And then I go, oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so, you know, again, it was just kind of more of the same. And, and what I really started to do was I started being more, um, embracing more gratitude. Mm -hmm. So I, I basically was just appreciating the journey appreciating the fact that like I started at nothing yeah. and I just was sort of taking a bit of a reflective time and I I was like man like I started at 20 and, and now I'm like I just did a thousand reps in a hundred minutes mm -hmm. you know like that's pretty good yeah and uh you know I'm doing that repeatedly like I'm able to do that repeatedly and I'm getting stronger and I'm a little calmer and um I, I feel more present and you know, that I went through such a depression and, and yet I still stuck with this thing. And you know what I mean? So like, I just was sort of reflecting on this whole journey and I was like, man, my life is good. Yeah. I'm so fortunate. I'm so blessed in so many ways, like despite the shit that happens and, and listen, you know, we all have our things that we all have stuff we have to work on and we all have our version of privileges right like everybody's unique there's there's things that you know and we it seems to be like we love to compare and we love to you know oh i'm a bigger victim than you and you know it's like oh fuck like does that is that helping anybody like is that really mm -hmm. helping you be better to say oh i suffer more than you because you don't know what i'm going through fuck you yeah you know come on you know like focus on yourself focus on getting yourself better to the point that, you know, at the end of the day, it's like, so you accomplish something. Is it worth anything if you have no one to celebrate it with? Right? Like, what's the point of winning if there's no one around you to 
inspire or to, to share in the joy of what you've accomplished. And for me, that was really big where I, I was being, my friends were probably grossed out by how open I was being with like, I, just, <laughs> I care about you so much. Yeah. And it's just like, oh God, stop talking about that, you know? Mm. But I, I really was just like, listen, you know, like you mean a lot to me and what you've done and how you've supported me. And I want to be sure that, I mean, I told my friends like, I'm doing this for all of us. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this for all of us because this is what we do. We look out for each other. Your, your pain is my pain. My success is your success. You know, like we are, we have each other's backs, you know? And I, I think just sort of, and, and what I was doing was I was getting ready for war. Mm -hmm. I was getting ready to get the shit beat out of me. And I needed to have as many different sources of ammunition that I possibly could have, you know? And, and even the day before, Brandon sent me like a whole bunch of texts and was like, you know, I believe in you and mm -hmm. like, you know, you're going to do great. And, you know, and he gave me some really um, like practical tips too. And, yeah. you know, so I, I mean, I, I, there was a real outpouring of um, positivity because I opened myself up to it. That was the difference. Okay. I, I put myself out there to um, first and foremost put it out there and then to receive as well. Because I'm also not great at that, the receiving mm -hmm. care in that way. It makes me uncomfortable. <laughs> yeah. But I got no problem dishing it out. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like yeah. it's, it's really easy for me to do something nice for someone else, but it, I ask for help. Are you fucking kidding me? Like, nah. Yeah. Right. And so I just was like, you know what, man, like this is this is like it was it was strange. I just sort of had like a bit of like an awakening almost. It was mm -hmm. like, look how good life is and look how much there's so much to be thankful for. And like the fact that I the fact that I could even re um, reorganize my life in such a way that it made it possible for me to train for this and possible to execute the mission by by beating the record like just man my life is really good mm -hmm. there's a lot of people that are going through some real real difficult times you know and and look at this you know this is great and so when you and and what that did for me was then it put this idea that okay now because you have the opportunity you have the responsibility. Mm -hmm. You have a moral obligation to succeed. You have a moral obligation to succeed. That's a very high, that, that's a very different level of operating as a human being. And, and once I felt that, that power, and that, again, it's bigger than just me. It's not about me. It's not about David Goggins breaking different records. It's about what people, the, the impact that it has on the people around him. That's the magic. That's what makes it so great. And the fact that, and like, kind of like how I alluded to with Michael, the fact that a documentary comes out 20 years after their last championship and years after, um, you know, before I was even born, he did all this stuff. And it's just like, and it's having such a positive effect on me now for a completely unrelated reason that's special yeah 
you know, that that's how you know it's it's something bigger than you. And I don't really know what that means. You know, I'm kind of at this point where I'm trying to figure <laughs> out, like, yeah. huh, like, how can I really, you know, I'm only 26. I don't fucking know anything anyway, right? But, you know, I'm, I'm working on it and trying to kind of hmm, see what's there, you know, mm-hmm. philosophically speaking, I suppose. But, yeah. So it sounds like, you know, leading into your second attempt, not only were you physically stronger doing anywhere from, it sounds like, 500 to 1,000 chin-ups a day, yeah. but also in a much stronger place mentally. Oh, and, and emotionally and, and, emotionally. and spiritually. I mean, mm-hmm. it was, um, yeah, I mean, it really was just, it, it was just that simple, you know, to just sort of be here, be be yeah. in the present, which was kind of funny because actually on the Monday, so the, the 20th was a Saturday, mm-hmm. Saturday to Sunday, uh, actually, it might have been Tuesday. I actually had a terrible day that day. Yeah. I, I was I was, I smoked like four cigars. This I is was the like, week of the week yeah. of the attempt. I was like a nervous Nelly. I was like, holy fuck, like this is coming up on Saturday, and I yeah. like had like a little bit of a panicky moment, um, <laughs> panicky day, which was quite funny. <laughs> yeah. Um, looking back, but, um, and then like the next day, I was fine. I was just like, at the end of the day, you know, what's difficult about achieving something, like what I did is that it, it's so abnormal. Like, it, it's not like, I'm going to go win an NBA Finals. Like, there's sort of a box of, there's precedent there. It's a, it's a sport. Like, it's a, one of the big four yeah. sports, right? Mm-hmm. Like, there's a very different kind of, by the way, I'm getting the strangest case of deja vu right now. That's so weird. <laughs> wow. Okay, that's... Ooh, wow. Okay, that's interesting. Sorry. Um, sorry, give me a sec. <laughs> no, no, you're good. Take your time. <laughs> that threw me for a loop for, for a minute there. Hmm. Okay, I'm back. Um, can you just remind me what I was talking about? <laughs> uh, you were talking about just kind of the, the days, the week of yes. your attempt. Um. Yeah, and just kind of taking it all in and, and then kind of having that little freak out on that day. And, and and then I just sort of realized, like, listen, man, like, it would be weird if you weren't nervous yeah, or a bit scared. It'd be we- You'd be weird. You, you would actually be ignorant. You, you, you're not aware of what you're going into. Yeah. Here's the difference. And this is uh, straight out of Tim Grover's one of the books, either Winning or Relentless. I mm-hmm. can't remember which one, but... When you have butterflies in your stomach, right, that feeling of like, you know, excited, nervous, scared, you know, whatever that cocktail is, um, get those butterflies moving in the same direction. Mm-hmm. That really stuck with me. And so that was basically the antidote to uh, my little panic, panicky yeah. mode okay. <laughs> on that day was, okay, you know, this is all it is. You're walking into a very daunting challenge. Um, but have you done the work? Yeah. And, and that was the biggest thing, too, was that the, the, the greatest, well, greatest, I don't want to start making it hierarchical, but very impactful thought that I had was, mm-hmm. have I done everything that I could to prepare for Saturday? And the answer was unequivocally yes. Yeah. Now, in December, the answer was no. And I knew that. I knew the answer was no. I haven't done enough. But you got to just take a leap of faith and you got to go right but on that final few days in that week i i 
unequivocally was like, I have done everything I possibly could. Can you do more reps? Yeah, but you, but you can do it infinitely. Mm-hmm. You can do an infinite amount more of reps and still not technically be ready. Yeah. Right, because that's how my mind works. It's just more work, more work, more work, work harder, more reps, mm-hmm. more ice baths, more stretching, more everything, right? But there comes a point where it's like, have you done enough to be prepared for anything that's going to occur on Saturday? Yeah. And I told myself in my journal, I wrote down, I said, I am prepared for anything. All right, and let's go to Saturday, the day of when mm-hmm. you began this 24-hour challenge for the second time. And a quick shout-out to Body by Brant, which is where you... Yes, of course. <laughs> let's not forget part that. Of this. Yeah, where you yeah. used their facility, took part in this challenge, and eventually crushed it. Walk me through, because there's a lot to walk there's through. There's so much on that. Hours, yeah, but... I mean, this, this, this is where the story gets good. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> Take me through just the first few hours in terms of your pace and how you're feeling mentally. And I know, of course, you had a lot of friends and loved mm-hmm. ones. They are cheering you on as well. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, first of all, yeah, Dean and, and Lee Brandt, um, you know, they opened up their, their gym to me and I had never met them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I'm like I had no relationship with them until I walked into their gym like a couple years ago, I, I guess now. Timelines are a bit fuzzy, but um you know, they, they opened them, they, they opened their life to me and they, they gave me a, not just a venue to do it, but they believed in my ability to do it. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, that's pretty cool. You yeah. know, that, that does mean a lot to me and it, it made a difference. And, and, and it was just a cool, I mean, everything about it was just like fucking wild (laughs) but uh yeah so uh okay so yeah so started at 11 a.m vancouver pacific time so oh 11 or oh yeah oh 1100 hours yeah good one marcus 1100 hours (laughs) jeez uh (laughs) um yep so started off with four reps and, and i'm sorry like if the numbers get confusing for you but whatever just Let's roll with it. Mm-hmm. So uh, I would do a 90-minute segment yep. of reps, take 15, 20-minute break, yep. 90 minutes, 15, 20, and I basically ran with that until 5, 6 a.m. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what is that, like 18 hours? Yeah. 19, whatever that is. Math and numbers. I'm stupid. It's okay, people. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, so... Eight reps, so um, four reps every 30 seconds, which would be your eight reps a minute. And just as a quick side note, because people found this to be interesting. um, So I I had a clock, like a basic, like a $15 clock that you would buy, um, like with the faces on it, you know what I mean? Like a standard clock. And I opened it up and I cut off the hour and minute hands on the clock. So the only hand that was operational were, was the seconds hand. Interesting. Because, and it was some real Twilight Zone shit. Like, it was <laughs> funky to look at this yeah. clock where it's like, it's just moving. Mm-hmm. And I just kind of liked how poetic it was because it was like, that's life, man. It just, yeah. there's no, there is no stop. There, There is no beginning. There is no end. It, it's just 
time moving forward. Mm-hmm. And the only thing that matters in my world for August 20 to 21 is do your reps at the 12 hand and do your reps at the six hand. Yeah. That's it. It's the only thing that matters. So just focus on that seconds hand mm-hmm. spinning and spinning and spinning. And that's it. Um, just as a side note. Uh, but yeah, so by, so three hours, three and a half hours in, I was already up to 1400 and some change. Okay. Yeah. Cause it's, uh, eight reps a minute for 90 minutes is 720, I believe. Um, mm-hmm. anyway, I'm sorry. And you know, what's funny, man. You know how many, I, I did so many hours, hours of calculations and yeah. this at this pace is this number. And <laughs> yeah. so like, and then now of course you start recording and it's like, uh, what, you know, but yeah, I'm pretty sure it's 720 reps in 90 minutes. And I did that twice. And then by the time I finished that second bout of eight a minute, my shoulder was bugging me. Yeah. And it was sort of like kind of in the, in sort of right under the collarbone on the pec in the shoulder joint. So it's just kind of right in that mushy. Basically, like, you know, anytime you see a good guy get shot on a movie, yeah, they yeah. always eat it in that one, <laughs> that one spot where it's like, yeah. oh, my shoulder got shot in the shoulder. Yeah. So, like, imagine that. Okay. Um, but, yeah, my shoulder was starting to bother me, and I'm like, fucking, here we go, right? Yeah. Um, so I kind of clocked it, but it was just like, all right, whatever, fuck it. You know, I'm, I'm willing to suffer for this thing, so mm-hmm. might as well start early. Um, and then after that, it was uh, three reps every 30 seconds yeah. for 90 minutes, mm-hmm. so six reps a minute. Yeah. Which would be 440 reps. And, by the way, th- the goal was 6,000. Yeah. That was entirely the goal. And right before we started, um, I actually made a joke saying, I'm really glad I'm not Brandon that I don't have to do seven over 7,000 reps. <laughs> yeah. I said that. I think it was to Dean and Lee, actually. And we all, ha, 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 we all laughed because mm-hmm. it was funny. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Real funny, right? Um, yeah, and then I think the the pacing then was to do three to do three reps for five legs, so okay. five ninety minute chunks. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure that was the pacing, which would take me to something like two three a.m. Yeah, and then it would drop down to two a minute. Uh, uh, pardon me, two every thirty seconds. Yeah, for four reps a minute. Um. Yeah, and then the pacing was to finish at 11 a.m. with 6,000, mm-hmm. and that's how I had it. It was a, a slow descend in pacing mm-hmm. to accommodate for fatigue. Yeah. That makes sense. So by 8 p.m., uh, we had a band come on. Very cool. So we, we had a beer garden and a band, live band. And just as a quick side note for, for the band, they're called Oliver and the Elements, and my guitar teacher, Brian Phillips, uh, who is one of the greatest guitar players I've ever seen in my life, and I've seen everybody perform. I've yeah. been to over f- uh, 400 concerts in my life. <laughs> I've seen everybody, and he absolutely is one of the best guitar players I have ever seen. I mean, it's it's just insane what this guy can do and his love of music and um as far as a teacher is concerned, I mean, could not ask for anyone better. Um, and 
kind of when I was going through that depressive period, uh, he also was diagnosed with cancer and basically was told like, you're not going to make it like that was, yeah. So he did and he's cancer free and is great, looks great, feeling great. And so I really wanted them to perform because I've seen them perform multiple times. They're a great band. Um, and I just loved the fact that I, I, I really wanted the record to be a community event. Mm-hmm. I wanted this to be something that everybody could appreciate and, and remember in their own way. And I just thought having not just live music, but Brian's band, yeah. you know, having them there was really, really important to me. And, and so that was fucking cool. So they were set up. Um, right by the door that because there's like a it's like a garage door and then the chin-up bar was on the inside wall just to the to the right yeah and so like you had the the big garage door open and the band was kind of right there in the back parking lot and and performing and man it was and, and we'll, we'll cool. include some photos in the YouTube videos. So yeah, 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 a, for sure. Yeah, a good idea of it. And and on the social media account um, at the Mysteria podcast and at Mysteria underscore Fitness. Perfect. Um, I'm gonna start uploading some more stuff, and yeah. you can find. We had to fit it in somewhere. That's right. So yeah, <laughs> l- look for the photos there. Yeah. You get a little bit of a better idea. But um, yeah, and so by 8 p.m. I was in a really shitty spot. Mm-hmm. Uh, my shoulder was fucked. Um, the pain was getting to be pretty, it was getting to be a lot. Um, I could feel things popping, tearing. I could hear it happening. I could feel it happening. Um, it basically felt like my shoulder was slipping out of my body. Mm -hmm. Like it just, and so I would walk around, I I would kind of put my elbow sort of on my hip and Mm -hmm. I would kind of sort of, I would support it just by, I had like a dead arm. Um, yeah, so it was starting to get fun. And uh, <laughs> yeah, I mean, you know, kind of uneventful. I mean, you're you're plugging away. I ended up doing, because the plan was to go to four reps, mm-hmm. but the pain was getting to be pretty tremendous and I was deteriorating. Um, and, and I knew that if I slowed down too much, it's a slippery slope. Like all of a sudden you slow down, slow down, slow down, and then you fall down. Yeah, And I could feel that happening and so i'm like okay let's do two reps and three reps so you go from six to five a minute yeah and i rolled with that for a while i think i did go down to four for a little period of time there but i was um sticking to fives Mm -hmm. and so this to me is one of the i mean the entire 24 hours is crazy to me but this yeah, this is where it starts getting interesting. Yeah. <laughs> At what point was it that you actually, or you know, some of your friends, I guess, who were spectating you, somebody found out that there was another person who I believe was in New York at the time, mm-hmm. and they had actually attempted, they had begun their attempt on the record and started maybe an hour before you or something with the time difference. Tell mm-hmm. me about that. So fucked. Um, what's even weirder is that, so he's, he's uh, 
his name's David. Mm-hmm. I'm not sure if he would want me to say it on here, but so just <laughs> just David. Yeah. Um, he's a 20 year old kid from from New York. Um, or I'm, I think he's from New York. I'm not yeah. sure. But what's even stranger is that he goes to the same university that my older brother went mm-hmm. to in yeah. Boston, which is and it's a it's a private university. It's not yeah. like a big one. And so I'm like, what the fuck? Like that is whacked. And the fact that we did not know about each other leading up to it, mm-hmm. we did not know about each other until 5 a.m. when we both became aware. Um, yeah, and so just to back up a touch, um, so between hours, the hours of 2 to 5 a.m., I was fucked up. Mm-hmm. Like, I was fucked up. Um, I started to develop nerve damage in my fingers on my left hand. Yeah. I've, I experienced it before. It's just a compression thing. So if you just, the constant gripping. Yeah. I weigh, and I weighed 175 pounds, um, 5% body fat and 175 pounds walking into the gym. Um, so, you know, you're not like I'm huge, but mm-hmm. I'm kind of heavy. Yeah. You know, like I'm kind of heavy, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, to be lifting, lifting yourself up 7,000 plus times. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, yeah, so, you know, my hands are starting to break down. Um, going numb, my shoulder is just screaming, and the pain is starting to get real. You know, it's getting to a point where it's like, I was um, every time I would finish a set of reps, I would kind of hunch over at a fan, and I just the the cool air was um, like keeping me from passing out because it, it felt like I was gonna pass out yeah. for a while because it was just like you know kind of that feeling where all of a sudden everything's kind of shaky and starts to get blurry and stuff like that like the the pain was yeah it was it was wild so I was really breaking down but I you know I I kept my composure and I I did keep my focus although it was it was waning yeah it, it was thankfully I had people who were I mean I had friends who stayed up all night with me family who stayed up all night with me and that helped me tremendously and and I started talking and I was making jokes and like I just was doing anything I could like whatever felt right Mm -hmm. like let's laugh let me make fun of myself and let me make fun of someone else and like just anything that felt right instinctively just do it and whatever yeah so I mean it was a it was a weird it was a weird time you know (laughs) and then yeah uh, oh, yeah. And also, I'd say um, kind of an important detail. So I had lost the ability to lift my arm on my own. Mm-hmm. So I, I had to grab my right arm with my left hand and I'd lift my right arm up to the bar, grip, release, grip with my left, do my reps, come down, left hand off the bar, yeah. grab my right wrist, release, let it go gently and just sort of place it. Or I would I was holding my arm up. Yeah. Cause it just, it just was going right. So, so yeah, so you're, you're talking about not necessarily muscle failure, but you're talking about, you know, perhaps something catastrophic occurring. Right. And, and again, my mindset was, I just don't give a fuck. I don't care if my shoulder is going to go, it's going to go, but Mm -hmm. like whatever, you know? Um, so it was just like, I'm not, I'm not going to quit. Like, I'm just not going to quit. Whatever happens, I'm not going to quit. Um, yeah, and so we get to 5 a.m. Sorry to jump around, but yeah, no, so, okay. so we get to five, five-ish a.m., and this guy's got his stream going. 
I had a stream going as well. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and so they, I don't know who it was on the camera, but he goes, so we're going to cut our feed because we just learned that there's a guy in Vancouver and his name is Marcus Da Silva and he's got this podcast and like they knew everything about me mm -hmm. uh, or at least everything they needed to know. Yeah. And he's doing it at the exact same time. So they cut their feed. And, you know, no disrespect to David. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I don't want to be disrespectful. Um, he, he impressed the hell out of me. And I think the guy's a stud. Um, but when I found out about that, um, and then they cut their feed. I mean, and again, you, you got to remember, I've been up for you know, since 11 a.m., I'm physically exhausted. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not sure how much weight I had lost at that point, but I had lost 10 pounds, 10.1 pounds yeah. to be exact, on that day. So your body is is just rough. Your shoulders rough. You're, you're fighting the urge to throw up or pass out, you, you know. So there's a lot going on, right? Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, I'm doing whatever I can to just stay in the fight. And, um, and then I find out about this and it just angered me mm -hmm. because I just thought, well, now that this is a one-on-one, -on -one, let's fight. Yeah. Let's do this thing. Yeah. You know, this is one V one. And the weirdest thing was that I remember, and, and Dean Brandt can back me up on this, is that early on, well before the first attempt, we were joking and, and talking about the fact like, man, this would be so much easier if you had someone else next to you just going mm -hmm. back and forth because it's weird to do something competitive where there technically is no other competitor. Yeah, The competitor is yourself, don't get me wrong, right? But it's different when you're playing a game, you're playing against a team, right? There's, there's identifiable competitors. And then you can develop a game within a game to be competitive with yourself and ultimately that's what competition and life is all about, right? Yeah. We'll save that philosophical shit for a different day, but you know, we maybe touched on it already. But um, yeah, and something about that just kind of, well, that was the fir my first instinct was like I got angry mm -hmm. and I was just kind of like, oh, I didn't like that. And, and what I felt was like, you think you're better than me. Yeah. And by shutting me out like that, like I took that personally, like you can't yeah. help but take that personally. And I did. And it really offended. I was, I was greatly offended by that. Again, I, you know, it, I don't have like bad feelings towards the guy or his no, team or whatever, but you know what I mean? I'm just telling you how I felt at that time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and the fact that it was, and then in that moment or those moments, I was thinking about everything I had gone through to get to where I am three years of training and I'm sure, you know, it's it just, it, I found something, you know, you talk about opening a door, you know, when my net with my nephew, how that, like I found something that I didn't know was, well, I found something that was always there. Yeah. And then that happened with, with finding out about another competitor. And then it was like, Oh, like I, I went through this door and I was in Wonderland. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Like it was just like you literally opened a door to an entirely different world. And it was a world that was entirely my own. Like you, you found something within yourself. Like, again, I don't really know how to describe it, like because I'm still kind of working through it. But mm -hmm. it was a really trippy experience. Like yeah. I would say it was like 
it was almost like a psychedelic experience yeah. in a way because it was such a awakening and and yeah so then at that point i turned around and and i i said out loud i said i'm gonna go until my fucking shoulder rips out of my body yeah and it was just like the idea of losing again mm. was no yeah no and you know it really i really was at a point where i <laughs> it sounds kind of crazy but like i was prepared to die in order to win yeah i was i was going to go until i'm i'm like no 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 like there's no there is no other thing that's going to happen other than i'm going to win or i'm going to die trying and and basically what that did was what i now understand it was an it was a, an ego death in a way because when when you when you free yourself of what you believe is real when when you just sort of let go and just go on instinct like it you feel free in in such a like I said, like it's a, almost a psychedelic kind of, and I haven't had any, like I haven't had any psychedelic experiences, yeah. but from what I've heard about them and what I've researched about it, that's kind of what it seemed like. Mm -hmm. And it was just like all of a sudden I was free, you know, and it, I don't know if that's kind of explaining it well for the listener, but I'm still trying to work through this yeah. myself, but that's how I would describe it is I just felt free. Mm -hmm. And it was just like, okay, this is freak shit now. Mm -hmm. and, and then I just found this gear inside of me. And then all of a sudden, I was able to lift my arm on my own without assistance. Yeah. And I, was, and I had increased my speed and the pacing that I was doing. Like, mm -hmm. I was truly possessed. Like, it, it really was. It was like I found my alter ego that I had been carefully curating for so well for my entire life really but for those few years in particular I just didn't know it yeah. and I needed something I needed a button to be pushed and once that button was pushed it was just like a freak just showed up ready to fight mm -hmm. and that's what I felt like I felt like a freak in the best way you know and it was just like this power and this focus and the joy that I was feeling, it was just like, I'm unstoppable. I will not be defeated. And it was like this crazy awakening. So the last four hours was my fastest four hours of the entire 24 hour period. Mm -hmm. I took zero breaks during that four hour period. So I literally every 30 seconds I was doing um, the math is a bit fuzzy just because of how whacked out I was <laughs> out of my mind I was, yeah. but I then went, so I went from four back up to five a minute back to six a minute. And then I gradually went up to seven a minute and then I went to eight a minute yeah. for a while. And then I went to 10 a minute. Mm -hmm. for the last little bit. So just a ridiculous pace. It was absolute insanity. Yeah. And I was, I mean, and let me tell you, like, 
I don't, again, it kind of sounds like, yeah, I was unstoppable and then nothing hurt. Oh no, <laughs> it hurt that those last hours yeah. hurt more than the entire process. Um, I was exhausted. I was like heavy breathing, mm -hmm. you know, sweating profusely. Like it was, I mean, and, it, and even, um, from Wim Hof, I got, I got this, which was like, just, uh, I'm going to have to kind of do it into the microphone and be annoying, but I would like inhale and I would go, <sighs> and it was just like, just whatever demon inside of you, you know, like just mm -hmm. pull it out and exhale and, and just like to sound horribly annoying on that recording. Sorry, people. Um, but it was like, it was from the people around me who were there. Cause there was a lot of people, um, it was probably about 30 to 40 people in the gym at that time. Mm -hmm. So it was, it was, well, actually it was probably about 50. No, I yeah. think about it. it was probably closer to 50, okay. 60. Um, it was getting crowded in there. And I mean, everybody that I've talked to was like, that was fucking trippy because <laughs> I, cause I think they could see that I was in another place yeah. like I wasn't Marcus da Silva as they knew him I was something different yeah. and and what was kind of cool is even today I had a conversation with my mom about it and my mom was like like watching you in those last couple hours especially it was like I had I had no idea that like that's my son like I, I couldn't believe that you were actually doing it and she and my mom even said like it looked like you just started which fucks with people, you know, because mm -hmm. it's like, how is it that with one shoulder, a, a numb hand, blisters that are, and I could feel the blisters popping inside my glove, like yeah. bursting in the glove. Oh, <laughs> so gnarly. <laughs> um, but like, yeah, you're just getting wrecked. And, um, and it, my speed and, and fluidity of movement was the, like, it looked like I had just started. Yeah. You know, and um, so then I finish 11 a.m. to 11 a.m. I let go of the bar and I fall down and uh, I basically just wept. And what caused me to be so emotional was, well, first of all, to just let go, because then it was like, holy fuck, I just did this mm -hmm. three years and so many times of like, holding my head in my hands and looking at the floor, looking up at the ceiling going, there's no way I can do this. Like, what am I thinking? What did I get myself into? And, and going forward anyway, because I believe I can do this and I don't know rationally how I can do this, but I can do this and just move forward and, and push and get better and, and reflecting on that and reflecting what I had to do, um, especially through that depressive time. And, um, And uh, just to realize that um, the first thought I had when I let go of the bar was, holy fuck, I could have done 8,000. <laughs> I mean, truly, yeah. that was the first thing I thought. And, and what's making me emotional about it now is, you know, having... What was crazy was this realization that even by me... What I thought was 
taking self-limiting beliefs off myself to achieve an, a Guinness record, I still put a limiter on me. Mm-hmm. And I realized that having done 7,000 reps, I was limiting myself. I had limited myself. It's fucking wild. Yeah. You know, considering how weak I was when I started and mentally and physically I was weak. And um, talking about, you know, 11, over 11,000 hours of work and training went into that record. And, um, man, it was, un- it was unbelievable. And to, to, to realize that about yourself and... Um, sorry. No. No worries. I'm a sensitive guy. (laughs) It's happy tears. Um, But to realize that um, and to see so many other people there like crying and and just like the fact that I had done something positive with my life in, in a way that was so out of the ordinary and was so weird. And just... I was so proud of myself yeah. and that was such a change, you know, <sighs> such a good feeling. Yeah. <laughs> it was unreal, man. Such a gift. And all to think that I felt that I, I got to feel that. And more importantly, that I got to share that with so many people mm-hmm. Um, I was so proud of myself and I was so proud that I just kept working because that was it. You know, like I said to that guy um, from the basketball team, you know, you can do it. Absolutely. If this is what you want, if that's what you want to do, then you could blow me out of the water because if I think that I could get to eight, which I definitely unequivocally did and do think that, not that I'm going to attempt this again. <laughs> let's not let's not get you know let's not get it twisted. But um, man, it was just it was something. Yeah, and it was a lot of fun, despite the pain and despite the everything. Um, it was great. It was great. Mm-hmm. Well, I've said it before, obviously, when you accomplished it but i you know i always love getting to say it while we are recording it on video but again congratulations on <laughs> thank you just the momentous achievement and you know of course props to you and your your competitive spirit and your <laughs> mentality for you know doing that doing that much but still wanting a little bit more and you know what man it's it's you can't ever be satisfied and you can't ever feel that oh I've done enough mm-hmm. or this is good enough I mean good enough is just a way to box yourself in it's comfort yeah good enough is comfort and once you just decide that you know again this is not unique this is not unique you know I I had to I developed this mindset I learned this mindset I'm continuing to develop I'm continuing to learn yeah. you know this is not just oh wow look how cool my i'm a dude i'm a fucking nobody truly Mm -hmm. 
You know what I mean? There's nothing special about me. I just was, I reached a point in my life where I just was tired of not pushing myself because there was that feeling inside of me that was like, you're capable of more, dude. Yeah. You know, and there's this great quote that I read in Cameron Haynes's book. Uh, it's a quote by Steve Prefontaine. And uh, the quote is, to give anything less than your best is to sacrifice the gift. Give your best. Because my best today is a hell of a lot different than my best six months, one year, two years ago. Mm-hmm. Right? And my best in a year from now is going to be astronomically different. And that's the beauty of it is that th- there is no end. Yeah. There is no end. There is always another level. There is always someone who can... Seven billion people on this planet, man. There's, there's a lot of people. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of special people out there. And, and what I kind of hoped was that, um, and that's kind of Goggins' message too, is that, you, you know, he should have been a statistic. Talk about nothing special, yeah. right? Um, but just by being stubborn and driven and resilient and enduring the shit that life throws at you, you can make some special shit happen. Mm-hmm. And, and let me tell you, to do 7,000, what like truly that was not even on my radar walking in mm-hmm. you know so it, it was just the whole thing was was crazy and um, such a gift yeah such a gift and so as we're kind of wrapping up here it's yes, funny because we both have hockey games to go <laughs> yeah good Canadian we still boys have so much to talk about yeah one thing I really want you to dive into though we spoke about when we last were chatting about this is the question came up, you know, that what happens if somebody beats your record? Mm-hmm. Tell me about that. Cause I was just fascinated and really interested by your response. Oh, okay. Are you going to, you know, let's say down a few months down the line, a year down the line, two years down the line, somebody breaks it. Would you ever go at it again? Or what's your mentality on that? Well, is somebody going to break it? Yeah. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent, absolutely. Um, it's not a question of if; it's a question of when. Yeah, and who. Um, so yeah, that's absolutely going to happen. Um, as, f- <laughs> yeah, no, I, I mean, I wouldn't. I I wouldn't take another crack at it just because someone breaks it. Yeah. Um, how I felt, how I f- felt and feel about it is that when it comes to um, athletics and, and just life, you know, uh, life is competition. That's what life is. It's, it's a series of competitions. It's a, it's a series of games within games, and there's tactics and strategy. And, you know, there's so much going on. And um, for, for the previous record holder... Um, Who's sorry? I'm a bit, just. <laughs> I was a bit emotional there. So no, sorry, my cognition's no, gone no, no, down no. a touch. So uh, his no name problem. is slipping my mind right now. I'm I'm sorry, but um, he is as much a part of my journey as anybody else. Yeah. Because of the record that he set, I had to elevate in order to break it. He he was he's British. Having never met me, never spoken to him, he impacted me to make me better. That's pretty cool. Yeah. And the way that I look at it is now, okay, when it was a 1v1, 
right with with the guy from with David from New York um I'm not going to back down from that fight and I'm going to I'm going to go all out yeah. right now if he was to message me or call me and say hey you know I'm going to take another crack at this what did you do I'd tell him yeah you know again like if you know if somebody just like I did with Brandon if if you approach somebody with humility and with interest and um, desire to learn and in order to elevate, why would you do anything other than support that? <laughs> like, what the fuck, right? Like, yeah. that's absolutely what you want. That's mm-hmm. absolutely what I want. I want people to be better because of this. Because I'm here because that's what other people did for me. Yeah. Whether they knew it or not. That's what they did for me. Mm-hmm. They gave me the strength and the courage and the insight to elevate as a human being. And so for the next guy who breaks it, listen, I mean, as we're talking, the, the record is in the verification process, yeah. right? So I guess we have to say it's not official, but look, I fucking did it. <laughs> I fucking did it. Yeah. I did it. People saw me do it. I did it. You know, regardless of, of, you know, truly, I mean, expect the best, prepare for the worst, you know, but if it does turn out that like, you know, for whatever crazy reason that should not happen, but if it doesn't get verified and it's like, no, you did not do it. Does that really take away from what I set out to achieve? Does that really take away from, from what I did to myself for myself and for other people? No, it doesn't, you know? So you have to kind of I would be fucking furious and devastated, but you know what I mean? You have to kind of find, like, why did you do it? Did you do yeah. it for notoriety? Or did you do it to make a fucking difference? And I did it f- to make a difference for me and for everybody around me. Mm-hmm. Whether, you know, hopefully, and if they want to look, then they're going to look and they're going to see something real cool, you know? And and the outpouring of positivity that's come my way, I mean, it's it's unreal. People are telling me, like, like they're taking chances at their job and... And, and trying to get promoted and a f- uh, friend of ours just he's like I quit drinking because it was just like I didn't like the way I was living I'm like holy fuck man like that is like that's gonna make me cry you know what yeah. I mean it's like wow to mm-hmm. think that and even the fact that a fucking basketball team invited me my first ever speaking engagement is a basketball team who are a bunch of studs you know <laughs> I mean come yeah. on I mean how can you not feel anything but overwhelming gratitude and and just such a cool feeling you know and so that's what i want for that's what i want i I want people to get better and and i'm i'm like i ain't done (laughs) you know what i mean like yeah it's not like i just oh cool i'm done developing and pushing myself hell no you know i'm just getting started Mm -hmm. but yeah you know uh i'm excited to see who does it? I'm excited to see how many more they can do. Yeah. You know, I think it's great and, and absolutely. Um, because, you know, for, for the next one to, for the next guy to break the record, it doesn't take away from what you did. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. I, I think there is that inclination. And you see that with professional teams as well. Like, and since we talked about the Bulls, right? It was they repeated, you know, back to back to back, and then they did it again. Yeah. Right? And it's like when they lost, when Michael came back in 95, it's like, oh, you didn't win. And somehow it's like, oh, you suck. It's like, whoa, 
did we forget what, you know, like that was then and this is now, but just because you lost today doesn't take away from the win mm -hmm. that you had before, yeah. right? I mean, you still earned it. You still did it. To quote Phil Jackson, though, you know, there's that dichotomy, which is you're only successful the moment that you complete a successful act. You have to do it again. Mm -hmm. Right. So I don't want to be the guy who looks back and is like, yeah, 10 years from now. Remember that one thing I did 10 years ago, mm -hmm. but I haven't done dick since. Yeah, that's not going to be me. I don't want to be that guy. Mm -hmm. I think we all know. I mean, I think there's always that person in our life. Like, we know that person who's, like, bragging about shit they did in the past. And it's like, well, what have you done since? Nothing. Like, shit, man. Yeah. Like, how insecure are you that you have to praise yourself about things that you did before? Like, I don't know, man. I think the key is, um, yeah, it's not that. Mm -hmm. Just to do it again. And not... And, and not literally, you know, in my case, not literally do it again, but the same principle, push past perceived limitations, make the impossible possible, you know, just in the general sense. Yeah. And now my focus is actually a little bit more on, on my personal life. Like I'm, I'm, as we're recording this, I'm, I'm flying to England on Friday yeah. in, in four or five days and, and I'm going away and, and just kind of want to get a bit of perspective on on life and and the whole um the whole plan was i'm going to go break this record yeah i'm going to tack it onto my resume and i'm going to go be a lawyer <laughs> and now i'm not so sure yeah. <laughs> now i'm not so sure i don't really know where i want to go and what i want to do be because of of that awakening that i had mm -hmm. on that day because that was so unexpected yeah. And um, you can't prepare for something like that. You, I couldn't have imagined it. And, and so how can you prepare for something that you can't imagine? <laughs> right? So, yeah, man, it's, um, it's, a, great, it's a great place to be. And, and uh, I'm just kind of trying to sort through where I want to go and what I want to do and how I want to do it. And, and mm -hmm. where, can, where can I serve myself in the best way? And where can I serve other people in the in the most impactful way? And and those are kind of the two questions that are on my mind, and, and I'm just trying to find the answers to that mm -hmm. currently. Well, I think those are two questions we could honestly talk about for hours on end. And definitely, I think we should, I think we're going to have to pick this up again sometime <laughs> so we can talk about all your plans that you have that we've already talked about, and so... Yeah, maybe we should do this again in a few weeks. Mm -hmm. But I think for now, this is a good place for us to leave off. Good. All right. Excellent. And and uh, I guess to close off, I mean, it's great to see you. Great to have you here. And, and I th think we did mention at the beginning, but um, for Mr. Vincent, who's the uh, who's a journalist for Daily High Vancouver, among other places that he <laughs> writes for, he's, he's yeah. a, a master of many different things. Um you know, this podcast um, is s supposed to serve as a, I guess, companion to the article that you're writing because we did a previous interview yep. that was r roughly this long as well. And, <laughs> yeah. um, so I liked the idea of just like, let's just sit down, let's just shit talk a bit and yeah. um, let's kind of go a bit more uncensored with it. And um, so I'm really excited. I mean, the fact that 
the fact that there's going to be an article written about me is weird too you know like it's so for me as well like I'm still trying to kind of wrap my head around the fact that you know coming from a guy who was insecure and and had those issues you know like they're mostly resolved but they never go away right you know you just get better at better equipped to deal with them and so it's it's strange to me too that like holy shit like getting attention is and I earned it yeah I earned it 100 percent but oh, yeah. um, it still feels very strange. So <laughs> it's it's a good timing to yeah. get some space and and you know the 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 intensity of that kind of focus yeah. it really wears you out. That's it wears fair. you out. And and so I I just I want to go away and eat and play <laughs> guitar and and yeah. play video games and just kind of and laugh, you know and and and. So it's an interesting time personally yeah. as well. But it's, it's always an honor and a privilege to speak with you. And, of course, um, you as well. I hope that this um, does something for you, the listener, as well. Um, you know, yeah. we're plugging away. We're trying to get better every single day. Can, uh, can I try my hand at the outro? Go for it. All right, everybody. This has been the Mysteria Podcast with the Marcus De Silva and Vincent Plano. We want to thank you for listening. Be sure to comment, rate, subscribe. You can find us on Spotify, on Apple, and anywhere that you consume your podcasts, and of course on YouTube. Thank you guys, and we'll catch you next time. You're hired. Thank you.